The first reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 8, which can be found on page 1156 in your church Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 8. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. It can be found in your church Bible on page 1092. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you this, at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or days the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from, from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's time for our children's and adults' message all together. Uh, let's do something different this time. Let's have all the adults come forward and sit here. <laughs> Just kidding. Children, I would like to invite you. I know you're kind of already sitting up front, but it would make me feel a little more comfortable if you came up and sat on the floor with me. Can you do that? Is that all right? So... And if you're not participating and you're sitting in the back somewhere, come on to the front here and find a good seat. You know, in some ways, kids, you made my job and Pastor Sam's job a little easier today, right? There's less stuff that we have to do, right? But for me, I'm a little nervous because I've got to give... You guys, your children's message at the same time as the adults. So I have to be like fun, uh, but not boring, and all kinds of things. Anyway, the pressure's on, but that's okay. 
Here's the thing. When I was a kid, um, I went to a concert, and because it was a Christian concert at a church, that meant that the musicians, who I really liked, they were going to also, in addition to singing and dancing and everything, they were also going to tell us about Jesus, right? And when they did, they did something really interesting. And I've always thought about the story of Jesus, and especially the story that we're studying today, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. I've always thought about it a little bit differently after they told me this story. But they didn't just tell me the story, or all the kids there, they actually sort of acted it out. So, let's do that. How about, how about we go back in time to when I was at this kid's concert, and I saw this musician tell this story by acting it out. Does that sound all right? So, how about this? You guys just stay here, okay? And just hang loose, all right? What? Is that what you said? Jesus! He did it! What did he do? He rose from the dead! Can you believe it? You're supposed to ask, why did he die? Kids, why don't you ask me, why did he die? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. You see, you see, he was doing all these wonderful things. And then, and then the Roman authorities put him on a cross, an awful way to die, and he died. And, and he died for our sins. But guess what? He's not dead anymore. It's amazing. And then you know what else happened? Excuse me, I need to catch my breath. I've been running from village to village telling everybody, here's the thing. We were all standing around on the Mount of Olives, and then, this Jesus, all of a sudden, he just went up into heaven, and a big cloud came around him, and we couldn't see him anymore, and we were just like, <laughs> and then, you know what happened? And then, a couple of men, somebody said they must have been angels. I didn't see any wings or anything. But then my other friend told me that angels don't have wings. So that's something to remember. But anyway, a couple of these men were standing there and they had white robes on and they said, hey guys, why are you looking up into heaven? And then we had to tell the same story that we just told you again. And it took a long time. And then, and then they said this, they said, he will come back again just like he went. Just like he went, he will come back again but with glory and power and majesty. You know what? In some ways, that's how the good news of the gospel first was spread around the world. 
You had people running around like a crazy guy, like me just now, probably even running around in places where they're not supposed to run around, right? You know, sacred buildings and things like that. But they were so excited they couldn't help themselves. And they went up to everybody they, that they met and they said, He's risen! And a lot of them said, Who? And then they had to start telling the story. And eventually, they did that over and over and over again. And the questions kept coming and com coming and coming. Well, tell me about this person and what was he like and why was he so special? Then finally, some of the disciples got together and they said, maybe we should just write some of this down, right? Then we won't have to like, be out of breath all the time telling people, ah, he is risen. So they wrote down what we call our gospels, right? Now, you remember when we had our Bible readings read for us, one of them was from a book called Acts, right? A-C-T-S, or that's short for the Acts of the apostles. In other words, the things that the disciples did, right? Does that make sense? The things the disciples did. They sometimes give Bible uh, books weird names, but they make sense once you learn what they're all about, right? And in the beginning of Acts, here's the thing about Acts. Does anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? Anybody know? Let me give you a hint. It's one of the people, do you know? No, that's a great guess. It wasn't Paul. It's one of the people that wrote one of the four Gospels. So you have four choices now, right? Anybody want to guess? Yeah? What did you say? Not John. Not Mark. Not Matthew. What do you think? Luke. It was Luke. So, Luke... People must have been asking Luke a lot of questions because he not only wrote his gospel, which told the story of Jesus' life, but then he had so many questions that he decided to write a sequel. You know what a sequel is, right? It's when, like when they make a cool movie and they say, wow, everybody went to see that movie, let's make another one, right? So everyone was interested in Luke's story, and so he wrote a second one, and it was called Acts. Now here's the thing. Acts is a special book because it's not about Jesus' life on earth, but rather it's about what happens when the king, Jesus, actually goes up, ascended to his throne. Luke is answering the question, what would it look like if the king of the world went up to the throne of the world. Today is ascension. That's why, by the way, you got Thursday off of school, right? I like being in Europe because you get these fancy holidays for church stuff that I love to celebrate anyway. Ascension day, the day we celebrate Jesus going up into heaven. This doesn't mean Jesus was, you know, like a, turned from a human being into some spirit, and then just kind of vanished. But he went up in the same body that he had that was just like you all, the same body that hung on the cross, the same body that was put into the grave, the same body that was raised from the grave. And then that same Jesus went up into heaven. One of my old professors said something cool. He said, 
Do you know what the ascension of Jesus means? It means that the dust of the ground is now sitting on the throne of heaven. Because you know when God made Adam and Eve, and when he made all of us, he made us out of what? Out of the dirt on the ground. And that seems like not very special, right? You can make mud pies or sand castles or something, but they don't last very long. But when Jesus goes up into heaven and sits at God's right hand, now we know someone just like us with a body made out of dust is sitting forever on the throne of heaven. And that's super duper special. Okay, one other thing about the ascension to teach you all. There's this psalm, it's number 2424, and we, I think we read it last week, in fact, and it asks this question at the beginning. Does anybody know the question? Who may ascend, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can go up God's hill? Who can ascend? And the answer is, does anybody know what the answer is? Do you know what the answer is? Yeah, do you have Asher? What's that? The, the ultimate answer is, of course, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you beat me to it. What does the psalmist say? Do you remember? It's a certain kind of person. It's somebody who has... clean hands and a pure heart a pure heart that's the person who can go from where they are walking around in the dust of the earth and go up to the hill of the Lord and stand in the holy place where God is you have to have clean hands and a pure heart you can't worship yourself or anything in creation, you only are able to worship God. That's the qualification. So let me tell you about somebody, I've probably talked about him a lot because there's only one famous person where I'm from, and that is LeBron James. Some of you have heard of him, he's a basketball player, right? He's about my size, uh, about... (laughs) And... That was a joke, kids. He's bigger than me. That's why he's famous, and I'm your preacher. But LeBron James might be, I think he's the best basketball player in the world right now, right? He can slam dunk. He can slam dunk behind his head. He can do twists and turns and slam dunk. He's pretty amazing, right? Um, Some people say he might be the best of all time, but other people say who, who might be better. Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, obviously. Raise your hand if you think Michael Jordan. Let's pull the whole audience. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're right and you think LeBron James. Okay, I'm alone. Okay. Anyway, so here's the thing. When LeBron James was growing up, everybody realized this kid is going to be really tall and really athletic and he can slam dunk a basketball even though he was like your kid, your guys' age, some of you. Incredible. So you know what people started calling him? They started calling him the chosen one, the chosen one. In other words, it was as if God had poured oil on his head and said, I anoint you to be the king of the basketball court, right? To be the king of the basketball court. Everybody hands to yourself now, hands to yourself, okay? And 
And so he thought, wow, I must be something special. And you know what? He started to call himself. His, his last name was James. He started to call himself, guess what? King James. King James, right? And his friends called him King James too. And the question that I've been wondering is, is LeBron James not just the king of the basketball court, but is he the king of Akron, Ohio, where I came from? And this is a tricky question, right? Because here's the thing. He ended up playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, my home team in Ohio. He even helped them do really well. He changed even the economy of Northeast Ohio just by being really good at what he did. But here's the thing, he didn't win a championship. And we don't win championships very much in Ohio. <laughs> and that's kind of sad. And then you know what he did? He left Ohio and went to Miami, Florida. And guess what he did there? He won championships for their team instead of for our team. And he even left kind of in a dumb way and it made us all feel really sad, right? But here's the thing. You would think, okay, he's not king of Ohio now, but he came back. He said, I want to come back home. I want to win a championship for my state, for my town. And guess what? He did it. He did it. And it was the first time we'd won a championship in a long time. So we felt awesome. And we thought, you are King James. You're our king. And then you know what he did? He left again. This time he went to California. You guys have heard of California? Right. Those of you that have heard of California, you probably haven't heard of Akron, Ohio, have you? You know why? Because everybody who's good at things and is from Ohio, they move to places like California. That's why you don't know about Ohio. So he went to, Ohio, or to California and he plays for the Los Angeles Lakers now. So we're all sad again. But here's the thing. You know what else he does? He gives bicycles to kids who grow up in families in Ohio that don't have very much money. He also opened a school in Akron, Ohio for kids who come from families that don't have very much, kids that don't have a chance to really do well in school. So he's done all these wonderful things for Ohio, and we kind of want to put the crown on his head and say, you're the king of Ohio, but you left us. But you're still awesome, and you're the but you left us. So this question, who can be the king of Ohio, is kind of a tricky question. Can LeBron James be? Is he worthy to be our king? And the answer is kind of, yeah, sometimes, but not forever. He's not the king of Ohio that we hoped that we would have. Okay, back to the ascension of Jesus. There is a king in the Old Testament. Who's the most famous king in the Old Testament, kid? Do you know? What is Solomon is up there, yeah? And who's Solomon's dad, though? Yeah? David, right? Those are the two most famous kings. What was David before he was a king? Yeah? He was a shepherd, right? And in fact, when the old king got into some trouble with the Lord, God sent Samuel to go find one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. And you've heard the story, right? Samuel thinks, wow, look at all these handsome, bright, intelligent, strong, king-looking people. Like, kids that looked like LeBron James when LeBron James was a kid, right? Oh, that, that kid could be king. And they forgot about one kid that was out in the fields with the sheep, and that was David. 
So Samuel went to him, and God said, this is the one. You may not think so, but this is the one. And then David did some pretty incredible things, even as a kid. What did he do as a kid? Yeah. He killed Goliath, right? The enemy of God's people, the fierce giant from the Philistine army. And then David grew up and he wrote so many of the Psalms, right? We call him a man after God's own heart. He was going for God's heart the way LeBron James goes for the basketball to slam dunk it. That's how David felt about God's heart. But was David the perfect king for Jerusalem, for Israel? No, he wasn't. Because when he had lots of power, one way he used that power was to take this lady Bathsheba, who wasn't his wife, who was somebody else's wife. In fact, the wife of one of his best soldiers, Uriah. And he took that girl for his own wife, and then he sent her real husband into battle and had him killed in battle. One of the worst things that you could possibly do, King David did it. And so when we ask the question, as the psalm does, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Someone who has clean hands, and a pure heart. And if the question is, can David be that king? What's our answer? It's kind of like, well, kind of, right? Sometimes, but not always. In fact, David sometimes disappoints us. What is the ascension all about? When Jesus goes up into heaven, is that just a cute story of Jesus disappearing into the clouds and, oh, that's the reason why he, we can't see him anymore? No, it's more than that. Because you know what happened? Jesus, like David, was a shepherd of his sheep, wasn't he? He was just a quiet person that nobody expected to become king. He was, like David, fierce toward the enemies of his sheep. But he was also tender toward those sheep, wasn't he? Think of all the kind words that Jesus said to hurting people. And then remember, when he comes into Jerusalem that last time, and everybody's waving the palm branches and everything, and they're saying things like, you're our king. You're the king that we've been looking forward to. But in less than a week, guess where that Jesus was? Not on the throne, but on where? On the cross, right? On the cross. But of course, he didn't stay on the cross. We just celebrated Easter a couple of weeks ago. And so we're focused on this part of the Apostles' Creed today. Jesus is raised from the dead. And now, Luke tells us at the beginning of Acts... He has ascended. He has gone up the hill of the Lord. And how can he do that? Because he has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus is the first person to have the clean hands and the pure heart. The first person who with clean hands and a pure heart could have God's power like a king, 
but use it in the right way. Not to serve himself, but to serve other people. And when God takes Jesus up from the earth after he's raised from the dead and brings him up into heaven, this is like God's announcement. He's saying, hey everyone, this is the king that you've always hoped for, but you've never quite had. He is raised and now he is ruling over the entire universe for us. This is the truth of the ascension and it's a beautiful thing. Now, the second thing we do in all these sermons is we say, how do we live this out? How do we act in our lives? Like, this is really true. This is a tough question. How do we live out the ascension of Jesus? I've got a couple ideas. Are there people in your life that you have maybe more power than? Is there somebody in your class that you're smarter than, maybe? You guys are some smart people. I bet you're smarter than some people in your classes, yeah? Some of you are probably like stronger physically than some of the people in your class, right? Other of you are really cool, right? Some of you kids are so cool that you make me nervous standing up in front of you. You are the cool kid that I always tried to be and never could be. Some of you are cool and popular. Some of you are strong physically and some of you are really smart. And that means the people around you are influenced by you. It means that you have power. You may not be the king of your classroom or the queen of your classroom, but you have power. And so the question is, if Jesus is up on his throne, how can I use my power that he's given me not to serve myself, but to serve the people over whom I have power? And that might mean that if you're the smarter person in the class, that instead of going, you dummy, why can't you figure out your math problem? That you might whisper, hey, do you need a little bit of help? If I'm allowed, I'll be glad to help you a little bit, right? It might mean that if you're the strong kid and you're going to play a game of football on the playground, then maybe you pick the tiny little kid to be on your team, and you pass him the ball on purpose, right? There's all kinds of ways that grown-ups, as well as kids, can say, because Jesus is on the throne, I want to have, like him, clean hands. I want to do what's right. I want to have a pure heart. I want to be thinking about what other people need and not what I need. And I want to use the power that Jesus has given me as if it were power that came straight down from heaven where Jesus is and use it to love and serve other people. Moms and dads, you can do this with your children. Big sisters and big brothers, you can do this with your little brothers and sisters. The kids in your neighborhood, the people that you work with, they need you to live as if Jesus has ascended into heaven. And the last question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And here's the way to answer this question. Yes, you want to have cleaner hands day by day. You want to have a purer heart each day. But most of all, the way you know if you believe that Jesus is on the throne, that he's ascended into heaven, 
is you say, Jesus, will you be the king of my heart? Will you make it so that my heart is a big throne and you can sit on it and then from your throne in my heart, you can rule over the things that I think, the things that I say, the things that I do with my hands and with my life. Like everything in the life of a Christian, we don't just believe them with our heads, right? But we believe them with our mouths, with our hands. And all of those things do what they do in our lives because we believe them with our hearts. Do you believe, not just with your head, not just because the Bible told you so, not just because you got the day off of school on Thursday, but do you believe with your heart that Jesus is on the throne there and that he loves you and has called you to love other people the way that he has first loved you. Grown-ups, do you believe it? Kids, do you believe it? Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us to believe it. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you have gone up into heaven, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for receiving your son up into heaven. We pray that we would live in the truth and the reality that Jesus is on the throne in heaven and therefore the king over our hearts and our words and our lives. Thank you for his reign of grace towards us. Now we pray that his reign of grace would be shown through our lives. Help us to love as he has first loved us. And we pray together in his name. Amen.